first half. Welcome to the At The High Podcast, part of the SB Nation of Podcasts. Uh, I am your host, Jonathan, and I'm joined by always, uh, I'm joined as always by Zach and Chase. Zach, how are you? I'm good, Jonathan. Okay, there you go. I went to a concert yesterday, which was awesome. Uh, (laughs) Went to a club after that. It was great. Got into a pickup game. Hold on. This just coming in. I did nothing. I did none of that. Been at home (laughs) for seven months. But I'm good, Jonathan. <laughs> it's just normal at this point. Like, yeah. whatever. I, it, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about other stuff. We'll talk about basketball. Chase, how are you? I'm okay. Uh, it's snowing, How's the weather? So I'm also yeah. sitting inside. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to go outside anymore, probably until April. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm doing okay, considering the circumstances. multiple reasons to be stuck inside. Exactly. Um. Like you know what? Even if there wasn't stuff going on outside, I couldn't go out there anyway because I'm snowed in. Yeah, certainly not. It's like 18 degrees right now, so I'm good. Gross. Um. So we have a couple things the Hornets have done to catch up on. Uh, with a little, some little minor pieces of news, transactions, and such. And then later in the second half of the show, we're gonna do some like record predictions and standings and so on and so forth. But first, uh, the Hornets have actually officially traded for Gordon Hayward after like what was like a week between when the it was announced and when they actually uh completed the transaction more than a week it was like 9 days yeah and you during those that 2 week span was basically convincing them to do a sign and trade and you brought <laughs> that into existence Jonathan great job i sure i wanted them to do it for Nick Batum <laughs> but that didn't come to fruition just cuz i wanted to like point and laugh at Danny Ainge and Celtics fans for uh, the whole Kimball Walker Terror's ear sign and trade. But I think Danny Ainge, rather than the trade exception, which I want to get into in a second, but well, I'll talk about right now. Um, And Chase, you can chime in with your opinion. So the trade was the Hornets get, I think it's a 2023 and 2024 second round pick from Boston. Is that right? I think so. I think they're both unprotected as well. And they're unprotected. And in exchange, the Hornets have to give something back. So they give back like a top five protected second round pick, which they're not going to convey unless they like win the championship. So they give nothing back to Boston. And Boston creates a trade exception for $28.5 million. The largest and in NBA history. Largest in NBA history. The, the quick and short of what trade exceptions are is it could be treated like player salary in a one-for-one trade. You can't combine it with other players. But you can trade out Basically, you can trade this trade exception for a player who costs $25 million or less. And that is what Boston gave up two second-round picks to acquire. And by acquiring that, they've accomplished what I think is absolutely nothing except for looking like they did something. Because I don't think they'll have any chance to use that trade exception. Most trade exceptions don't get used. No. They're very hard to use. Yeah. Especially Um, when it's $28.5 million. Yeah, so the only thing they could feasibly do with that is you can do other stuff, like you have to make a separate transaction. But basically, you would like trade that one for one for a player with a $28 million salary, and you would probably put picks in and stuff to, um, you know, make sure you're not giving getting that player for nothing. But I went through and looked, and there is nobody anywhere close to that ballpark that is worth that's like looks like they're a candidate to be absorbed by that trade trade exception. Um, and the Celtics only have one year to use it. So I don't, I would be very surprised if they find anybody to use it. Cause all the players that are typically talked about, like the top echelon of players don't fit in the trade exception. And then anybody below 28.5 million, just like it's neither they're not worth it or, they're not on the trade market because they're usually players like Jason Tatum, like in that rookie extension range that aren't going to get traded. So yeah, uh, good I job, think, Danny. Yeah. I think when they started, like when they got that trade thing with Indiana, he was like, Oh gee, I'd rather have a trade exception that I can use to sign like Bogdan Bogdanovich, who at the time wasn't, uh, hadn't agreed to terms with Atlanta. 
So he declined mm-hmm. the offer that they had with the Pacers set up, which I think was Miles Turner, Doug McDermott, and a first for Hayward. And then instead he tried to just work out the sign and trade, but then realized that that wasn't going to work out easily. And then Bogdan Bogdanovich signed with the Hawks. And then Hayward was like, wait, I don't need to be traded. I can just go wherever I want. And then here we are. And then Danny Ainge was basically just at the mercy of, you know, whoever, whichever third team was willing to take Nick Batum, which obviously did not exist. And then he kind of just had to fork over the picks if he wanted to do anything at all. Because Nick Batum isn't really valuable to them either, which I understand. <laughs> I don't think that they could flip him for anything like worth no. it. So, yeah, and who knows is, on the other side whether or not those two second-round picks are going to do anything for the Hornets. But it does add to the signing of Gordon Hayward, which has been – I mean, maybe you guys have heard something different, but been panned in the national media as a signing. Yeah. Um, you know, Ryan Rosillo no, Ryan called it the worst free agency signing in years. Um, and I don't think that's true, although I've I've cautious, cautious optimism about Gordon Hayward. But getting these two second round picks at least gives you something more coming back for the Hornets. Yeah, we the, the Celtics gave the Hornets two second round picks to take their player away. Like that's, that's right. kind of cool. That's um, funny that he it, said it was the worst uh, free agency signing. Didn't the Sixers just sign Al Horford last summer and have to trade a first round pick <laughs> to get rid of his contract? Exactly. Yeah. They did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh yeah, it. I think because it's the Hornets, every move gets like it's graded on this curve, like this reverse curve, where if a normal team would get like a C for it, the Hornets get an F, and if a normal team would get an A for it, the Hornets get a C. Just right that because that's up. what the national media, yeah. how they feel about the Hornets. Yeah, and to be fair to the national media, we haven't done, <laughs> we haven't had yeah. a lot of good moves in the past. Yeah, I don't complain about it too much because it's not like the Hornets have done anything to deserve a different sort of perception. It's kind of what they've right. got. They've worked towards um, real quick. As an aside, uh, Chase brought up Bogdan Bogdanovich. Did you see the report that the Kings were, uh, the Hawks offered a first round pick to the Kings for a sign around sign and trade for Bogdan. And the Kings said no. And then they didn't match the offer sheet. <laughs> I did see that. That's pretty funny. I guess <laughs> that's uh, horrible. Yeah, no, it's, I guess the, the pick was like protected or something. So that's why they were like, Oh no, we're just going to, not do this but i don't even understand the point <laughs> in that because like if you know you're not going to match it which like maybe they didn't know that at the time but like i feel like they had known that for a while so i don't know but yeah, if that you didn't know that how are King you planning thing. as a front exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly it just to, I, and i don't know like you said i don't know the specifics but to say like we'll give you any sort of pick to take your player and you're like no and they're like, all right we'll just take them for nothing and they're like okay that's fine I don't know. Kings. The Hornets are not the most incompetent organization in the NBA, that's for sure. Um, moving on from Gordon Hayward. Uh, along with Gordon Hayward, he did his press uh, press conference, his introductory press conference with the Hornets and could not stay in the center of the frame, which was kind of funny. Um, but also Mitch Kupchak and James Borrego did their opening press conferences for <laughs> about like 30 minutes apiece. Uh, not going to go super in-depth with all of them you can go check out james's uh piece on at the hive.com but a couple things i wanted to talk about um first since we're talking about transactions and stuff uh Kupchak said that he predicts the team will have 27 to 29 million dollars in cap space uh and i did the math and it actually worked out very nicely um for the Hornets to have $29 million of cap space, they have to renounce all of their free agents, which is Cody Zeller, Malik Monk, Devontae Graham, and Bismarck Biombo again. Uh, to have $27 million of cap space, it's very conveniently all of those free agents except for Devontae Graham because his cap hold is very small. It's like $2.1 million. So uh, do we think, are we reading into that at all, that Malik Monk, Bismarck Biombo, and Cody Zeller are not in the future plans? I didn't need him to say that to think that they were in the future plan. But yes, I, d- I don't think that they are the future of the Charlotte Hornets. Yeah. Those three names. The only one that I think was a question is Malik Monk. But uh, he's in a tough spot. And I'll talk about that in a second. Chase, did you have any other thoughts about that? Well, I feel like it could also just be him uh, kind of just taking the absolute, like, highest projection of cap space that they could have and just being like, like telling the media that one. <laughs> Even though he knows, like, maybe we'll keep 
like I don't know, maybe they'll resign Malik, maybe they'll even resign like Cody or something in the next summer instead of keeping Biz again. But I think he yeah. probably he might have just went with the highest estimate just to, kind of to be make themselves seem like they have a lot of cap space. But I, I could definitely see them making the the executive decision to just not tender Malik as well if he doesn't play like really well this year. Yeah, they they could have just. It sounds a lot better to say we have twenty nine million dollars of cap space as opposed to saying we have we are actually fifteen million dollars over the salary cap uh, going into the off season because everybody's gonna be like, what? I thought yeah, what exactly. <laughs> he's he's just gonna skip all the like the maneuvering that he would have to do in between that yeah. and then getting the twenty seven million. Like, yep, we got twenty seven million. Yeah, but I just thought the fact that he included the twenty seven million would include Devontae's cap hold, where um like he could have just said twenty nine million dollars. Um, so there's kind of this acknowledgement that Devontae, I think with Malik Monk, has some future. Yeah. yeah, which makes sense. He was like the best player on the team last year. Um, the thing with Malik Monk, and I talked about this, and this is kind of in the prognostication side of things, but uh, his cap hold is very large. And for the Hornets to actually like take advantage of the fact that they have rights on him and can go over the cap to sign him, they would need to sign him for more than his cap hold. Which is like, well, his qualifying offer is $13 million, which is uh, more than he has earned to this point. And so they either need to sign him first, which would mean cutting into the cap space they have available, or renounce him and then sign him back later. Either way, they won't be able to go to the cap to sign him. And I think it makes more sense to just like trust the Martin twins and Rozier and Riller potentially and all the other depth you have as opposed to trying to see if you can squeeze Malik Monk back into the rotation for more money than you need to spend because this but the Hornets were way better after Malik Monk was really good like everybody talks about the last 13 games Malik Monk played where he was really good most of the time but the Hornets got blown out repeatedly during that stretch and then he got suspended and Caleb Martin took his spot in the rotation and the Hornets became significantly more competitive immediately and i think the team is aware of that and it's something that i'm sure they're going to account for uh next offseason when we get to that point and we're trying to make decisions on who comes back and who is let go right and and the people on the side of malik monk always quote those last games but overall i mean 28 percent from the three-point line but the biggest thing and i talk about this in the Devonte graham uh 2021 preview is that coming his performance thursday. didn't relate to coming thursday uh on at the hive.com <laughs> uh please go see the website thank you so much um that malik monk's performance didn't translate to hornets wins that's a huge thing there's a lot of good stats bad team players out there that don't like connect to the team as a whole and Devonte graham's performances translated into hornets wins leak monk uh performing well did not um and that on top of uh you know some some off the court issues um uh, malik just got covid we hope he gets better um but i don't think this player is in the future for the charlotte hornets but i could see him going somewhere else and maybe finding a role in another team but we have a really crowded guard rotation right now and i don't think malik monk is in the in the plans for the future yeah and i forgot to include the mellow ball when i was listing off names in that guard rotation that's a big addition there yeah that i think is kind of works against him a little bit like lamello because they have kind of like not a similar skill set but they would have a similar like role almost just kind of being like the ball dominant you know guard mm. that gets to the rim and all that but I like I I think they would like to keep him obviously because they spent a lottery pick on him and he yeah. is still 22 but like like you said about the cap space like I'm not sure that they're willing to pay him more than like 13 million a year and I also don't think that they're willing to eat into the cap space that they have or go over the cap to sign him like if they renounce him and can get him for another deal like that just because they have like so much depth like it's it probably isn't the most prudent investment i guess unless he's yeah. like really really good this year but in that case he's not he'll probably get priced out of the hornets yeah and they could also just look to trade him at the deadline too like him and zeller could be a really attractive package for a certain team yeah that's kind of like um somebody on that hive is adam adam kawa on 
high. Basically, Malik Monk has to become so good that he's untradeable for the Hornets to keep him. Otherwise, he's either going to be too expensive for you know to fit into a crowded guard rotation, or he's just not going to be good enough to fit into a crowded guard rotation. So it's it's very hard to see him hanging around. And like you said, the Hornets probably would like to keep him. It's just not practical. Unless they trade Terry Rozier, I think that's yeah. the only situation that they would keep Malik. But I, I'm, I'm not sure. Like, I, I there were like rumors. Fly, yeah, I do too. There were rumors flying around about that, like the whole free agency period. But I think that they really like him. He seems to be like a, like a leader on the team alongside Devontae and, to a lesser extent, Hayward now. But, and then Borrego and Kupchak always like speak pretty like highly of him, and he seems to like really like charlotte and have embraced the role that he has too so i don't think that they're going to be like in a rush to move him to keep malik unless malik is really good like we said <laughs> yeah yeah um let's see elsewhere in the com in the uh press the uh lamella ball story where mitch kupchak said i like the story um after they drafted him it was the day after he drafted him he was in charlotte lamella ball was and kupchak borrego and ball were at dinner together and at about 9.30, Ball asked if there was a gym he could go to because he wanted to get some shots up and get some work in. Um, Kupchak's like, well, I'm going to have to go to bed in 30 minutes, but we'll see if we can find somewhere for you to go play. Um, I like that LaMelo Ball is so is such just like a hooper at heart, and I think it's accentuated by the comments that uh, the other guy that I wanted the Hornets still uh, land in the draft, Anthony Edwards, after hearing what he said like two days before the draft about liking football and basketball is fine, but it's just, I like football first and foremost. Uh, I don't know. I'm much more confident in the player getting better and working at their craft when basketball. Like, did we lose? No, I'm, I'm still here. I finished. No, I, when basketball is all they want to do, like any, like, uh, Right, I don't know. I, it's a, it it's reminds a me though. Yeah. It reminds me though. You, have you guys ever had a coworker who you maybe you're having a, me- a meeting with the boss or something like that, and they bring up pivot tables uh, from Excel spreadsheets, <laughs> and they're like, "Yeah, boss, you know, I was working on this pivot table, and uh, really want to get some time in in the office. Like, give yeah. me the Ray Allen stories of them actually doing it versus Mitch Kubchak story of him being like, "Yeah, man, is the is the office open at two a.m. because uh, <laughs> really got to get on this TPS report." <laughs> well, I, <laughs> yeah, I just thought it was no, cool. Yeah, I agree with you. I like that yeah. he is interested in you know basketball. Seems to be a lot of his life and posting on Instagram is a lot of his life and creating a uh, <laughs> logo for his brand is a lot of his life too. But yeah, man, you got to market yourself, but like, I like that. He's also, it, you, you, you have time for both. I just don't like, like Anthony sure. Edwards and he caught himself and said, I do love basketball, but he could, his, you know, first thing that came out of his mouth was like, I love football. I don't love basketball. I love football. I just, I just do basketball because right. I'm better at it. And I was just like, Ugh. Like that, he could still be a great player like that because I'm sure a lot of NBA players see it as a job first and foremost. But it's it's unnerving to hear, and it's the opposite of unnerving to hear that a player is just like constantly, even with all the stuff going on with the draft, to just be like, I really just want to go play basketball, guys. Uh, he's literally been doing that since he was like 14 too. I listened yeah. to um, Lara. I've like listened to a bunch of podcasts about him and like read a bunch of articles about him since he was drafted, or just about like his high school and. Lithuania uh, career basically yeah. and he has literally been like just a gym rat since he was like 13 like because I because at that time Lonzo was like going into college and was like clearly an NBA prospect so Lamella mm-hmm. at, at 14 and with his dad telling him is like I really have to work like every single day like really hard if I want to make it to the point that my brother is at and nobody has had more like message like more of that type of message and more exposure to like the things that you need to do to become a professional than him yeah so if there if there's anybody that's gonna be like i need to go to the gym at midnight to work out it's him like and people don't give him that type of or like credit for that type of attitude i think which is like not fair to him but it's like people are gonna realize really really quickly that like this dude cares about basketball and that is literally it. Like the the, the five point <laughs> seven million Instagram followers are a byproduct of him caring about basketball and basketball only. Yeah, I think he's got the reputation of being just like a 
uh, a flashy kid that just has like a lot of talent, but he doesn't really his dad want him to because of the, you know, I think every, the first impression always stands out. And we saw him as a 14 year old kid. Of course, he played like an annoying 14 year old kid, but we've talked about this on the show before. Um, I think people are going to be impressed by his work ethic. I do think he might rub people the wrong way in the press. He press can handle certain types of personalities as we've seen in the past. Um, like in his uh, in his introductory press conference, Rick Bennell asked him a question, and Lamelo gave him a one word answer. And I don't that know was if that's amazing. <laughs> that was, was amazing. He, I, I, uh, someone <laughs> tweeted this. I forget who it was, but I don't think he likes Rick because he Rick uh, started the or p- tweeted that rumor that Lamelo wasn't doing well in his interviews. Yeah, I, I could well, see that, that. That makes two of us, Lamelo and I. <laughs> Rick, Rick Bennell can take a walk to be honest with you come at me Rick Bennell please please it would yeah. be great for my career um, <laughs> but if he is a, if he's as hard working as Chase is saying he is that he's in the gym all the time that's so high that's uh, you know coming in he's going to be a major part of this team because the, if the veterans see you working very hard, you can kind of come off with that swagger and come off with that attitude oh, yeah. because you're in the gym all the time working really hard, you know? Yeah. You could be the, the, the star of the show if you put in the work in to earn it. But the gym um, video that I keep seeing is of him throwing the ball against the backboard and slamming <laughs> it in. Like, effortless. Getting like, yeah, is it effortless? It's almost above his wrist. He's like he can he can dunk the ball, but it's not Miles Bridges, you know. <laughs> he he does love the uh, the backboard lobs to himself. I wouldn't be surprised God, if he breaks he it out in a game. game. Oh, for sure. He's one hundred percent going to do it in a game, and it's going to be awesome. <laughs> He's definitely going to do it in a game. The where he like he goes like between his legs and throws it off the backboard to somebody trailing like that. We're going to get that within the first month of the season. Uh, for sure. It's going to be against Utah, and Rudy Gobert <laughs> is going to knock the ball into the stands. Yeah. Um, the last thing I want to talk about from Cupcheck's press conference, and this is, ties in with Borrego's, too, uh, to kind of move this along. Um, Borrego has been very adamant about playing P.J. Washington more at the five. P.J. almost all of his time during the mini-bubble playing five. And Mitch Cupcheck was asked about – I don't remember what the exact question was, but he's kind of asked about the young guys – and he was like, yeah, they're getting like Devontae's going to get better. Terry's going to get better. Miles going to get better. PJ looks like somebody sprinkled some gold dust on him or something. And uh, that like really caught my attention because he went out of his way to have this, what seems like a super high praise compliment for PJ Washington. I'm really interested to see what that actually looks like on the court. I will say the the new uh, tattoo, the new sleeve, and the new hairstyle, I think, added like 10% attribute, uh, which could be part of the the uh, gold dust uh, thoughts. I completely agree with the haircut and tattoo thing. He looks like a <laughs> monster now. He, he's like so, he's so much more intimidating than he was last year. <laughs> yes, he's, he uh, definitely added, yeah, I think that's it. That, that's all it was. It wasn't the hard work. It wasn't uh, hours in the gym. It wasn't hitting the weight room. It was just New hairstyle, new tattoo, better player. It's yeah, sleeve, it's, it's man. Sleeve, yeah, sleeve and uh, supplements. That's all you need. No gym time. <laughs> sleeve and like a bunch of creatine is all you need. Yep. Um. Yeah. And get it'll be interesting. Twi- get... Go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I just got to get somebody to uh, twist your hair into like the little braids. I don't know what you call them. Right. That have become very popular now. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what he does at the center position, though. He's not a prolific rebounder. Um, and you know, he's got a great three point shot and I, I wouldn't want him to lose time though. I assume that Brego would stretch him. Um, and he's, you know, he's six, seven. That's, that's really, really small to be playing the center position. And there are some teams, you know, I know we're not, uh, going to be, going to be competing with the LA Lakers, but there are some teams that have dominant centers and it'll be interesting to see how he can work with those centers. Yeah, I, I, that's what I'm looking forward to. Just, just out of a curiosity thing, because I don't... Borrego's been so adamant about it that I... He made it sound like Cody's going to start at center, and P.J. Washington's basically the backup center, so to speak. And it, 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 it didn't go well last year when uh, P.J. Washington played center. So I want to know what... It must have, like I said, it must have looked really good in that bubble to where Bar- we need to get PJ minutes at the center, and I do think there is a little bit of 
sacrifice you make or risk you take on the defensive end. But if you can make up for it by out shooting other teams and running other teams, you can make it. You can make it work. I'm interested to see how it goes. If PJ becomes a ball like a little bit better of a ball handler, I think it's going to work like really well. Because if you can just like put him at the top of the three point line and kind of have him be able to make plays out of a pick and roll and also be the ball handler in a pick and roll, like with him and Miles, I think he mentioned in his press conference that he's been running like some like him being on either side of the screen with him and Miles Bridges. And like if if he is good enough to at handling the ball and passing to be able to like throw lobs to Miles off of a screen and roll like that, that's going to be crazy to watch like the hornets would just be a really hard team to match up with if that's like a possibility for them it will definitely be interesting to watch him play against like joel Embiid or Giannis <laughs> or something like that because like obviously Embiid is just gonna drop his shoulder and send pj into the, the third row of stands yeah. yeah but and pj's a big dude but like joel Embiid is just not someone that can be guarded if you're six seven and like 230 or whatever pj is but I definitely there will there will be nights where it looks really really good too if if he can handle and shoot well we know he can shoot but if he can handle and pass it at an improved level I mean he's that you have like Borrego always says that's that's five playmakers on the floor and everyone can shoot everyone can dribble like it's it's very modern basketball with PJ at the five if he's improved as much as they seem to think he has yeah definitely I'm a well, I mean, we get to see it in what five days. So, we're... oh my God, I did not realize yeah. that that was that close. That oh my, and even the right the regular season anymore. isn't even that far away. That's like what, like two and a half the weeks. Re- yeah, the twenty third. So two weeks from twenty second. Well, twenty third for the Hornets, twenty second for the NBA. Um, but the preseason game, yeah, first preseason right. game is this Saturday, on the twelfth, less than a week away. Actually, I need to tweet that in a second after the show's done. Uh, it's game week. We'll Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Um, so tired so, of talking about Instagram videos. <laughs> and, uh, well, we have we have something else to talk about. We have a schedule. Instead of just talking about press conferences and stuff, we actually have games to look at. Um, obviously, none we of have these. Half, we have half a schedule. Half of the half of the schedule. Um, I didn't count how many games it is exactly. Um. But it goes up to March 3rd, which is going to be the All-Star break, quote-unquote, because there probably won't be an All-Star weekend. It's just a break that we're going to call the All-Star break. But the uh, schedule is very weird because of all the stuff going on with Deuce. Are trying to limit travel, so to speak, in a sense, and keep, uh, kind of limit the exposure of team to team. Uh, there are four instances where the Hornets play the same team twice in a row. Uh, they play at the 76ers twice, at the Raptors twice, at the Magic twice, and then versus the Pacers twice. The the weirdest one to me is going to be, of those, is going to be January 24th and 25th. They play the Magic, just not even just two games in a row, they play the Magic two days in a row in Orlando. And it's going to be weird. I feel like it's just going to be this weird, like, oh, we just did this. Because I don't watch baseball, so I'm not used to the whole multiple games against the same team thing. I was right. just going to say they're going to play the Magic for two games, then they're going to skip down to Miami and play the Marlins for a three-game series. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure baseball fans are very used to that. They're like, what are you talking about? We do that all the time. But I don't watch baseball. and I've never – I live in Charlotte. I've never had, like, an actual team to follow anyway. So, yeah, but it's going to be weird. Do you like that idea that it's cool that it's almost like a very mini playoff series in that, you know, what what – changes does Borrego make to match up with like uh, Joel Embiid when they play the 76ers for the second time mm-hmm. in a row it'll be interesting to see to watch that it'd be cool if we even got like three or four games in a row like those mini series like you were talking about with baseball it's weird but it's it'll be a it'll be interesting to see what happens yeah I I don't know how I feel about it yet because I, I've never seen it before I'm, and I do think there is some intrigue to like I, normally in a regular season, you can't make you can't be too detailed with your game plans. I think for teams because you kind of have to adjust on the fly, and you only play them once, and then you're gone. So it's just like, all right, we'll game plan for what their their tendencies are, and if it works, cool. If it doesn't, oh well, try again later. But playing a team back to back games, I do think it opens the door to be a little bit more uh, thorough with your preparation for that second game. So well, I mean, we'll see how it goes. It all four of those happen the first half of the season so 
we'll get a good uh, a good feel for it. Like the Philadelphia 76ers one is the uh 6th and 7th game of the season. So, we'll see how that goes. Um by the way, season starts Wednesday, December 23rd. That is 2 weeks from this Wednesday at the Cleveland Cavaliers and then the home opener on that fresh new teal court. I don't know when we're going to use where's the city uniforms. I'm assuming the home opener will be the regular court in uniforms is against the Thunder. And if both of those teams are as good as projected, I think that's a good place for the Hornet season to start. I think that's a pretty easy chance to get to two and zero. I agree. I like, I especially <laughs> if OKC is like not trying as much as they appear to be <laughs> not trying this year. Yeah, Cleveland is definitely trying, but that never works out for them anyway. So, I mean, it will it will be very interesting to see what happens when they play Brooklyn on on the twenty seventh though, because like mm-hmm. if KD is good, I mean that that game could could just go very very poorly for them because they don't have anybody that can guard a seven footer that. Sh- can pull up from 33 feet so very few teams do yeah exactly that's a good point <laughs> um for me the game... biggest question is going to be and we're seeing this with football is who actually plays in this game what are who's you know been in contact with someone who's positive with covid mm-hmm. who doesn't play and then the the real question is you know do these plays happen when they're supposed to at what time they're supposed to um, as we see in football, we're getting football games on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and, you know, how agile will the NBA be? And, you know, I, I don't know how you're going to manage the site, Jonathan, because <laughs> especially if, if games get changed and whatnot, it'll be interesting to see what the season looks like as we move forward. Yeah, I have, I, I don't know what I'm going to do if games get canceled, especially if they're like, uh, some of the college football games that are getting canceled, like our college basketball games that are getting canceled like an hour before ball and she's like oh yeah guys this isn't happening anymore sorry um oh and then i would feel bad for it not if it's myself but if it's like one of you guys and you write like a nice very thorough preview of the game is like yep this actually isn't going to happen so good job we'll, we'll save this back in oh, the drafts no. for next time i never time. even <laughs> considered it from that perspective before but that, that's definitely gonna happen i feel like like the nba uh like fan base in general hasn't really considered enough how like often games could get canceled like i feel like it's it has a chance to just be like the nfl and college football and college basketball where like multiple games every day are getting like Mm -hmm. postponed or at least like you know the denver broncos running out a guy that has taken four (laughs) snaps at quarterback in his lifetime like or maybe the hornets are going to end up starting like like grant riller nate darling vernon (laughs) carey nick richards jalen mcdaniels one night or something like that we're gonna have we're gonna lose all our centers jonathan would love that Secretly, Jonathan would be like, "Oh my gosh, this guy on this like t- two-way, ten-day contract is just—I can't wait to see him." We're gonna have a, we're gonna um, have a, we're forced to use the lineup of like Devonte, Terry, Lamelo, Gordon, and like the Martin twins. That was five. That was six players. Whatever. It's COVID. Who cares? Yeah, what well, a six player the gets on, the only recap the court the whole time and get <laughs> yes. insurance. Yeah. The only recaps I'm gonna write are of games that don't happen. Just like ghost recaps. <laughs> the Hornets Devante are undefeated. Was amazing tonight. <laughs> the Hornets are undefeated in games that didn't happen. Um, <laughs> the, the Hornets have four games on NTV, NBA TV. They have one game on ESPN, which is the, if I had to pick, it's like what one team? Well, there's two teams, and if you take the Celtics, we're not on the schedule yet. So if if you take the Celtics out of the equation, uh, what one team is going to get a nationally televised game against the Hornets? It's obviously. The Ball Brother reunion, right? New Orleans Pelicans, yep. Yep. Um, I It's funny because in ESPN, on I think it was on the Instagram post, and it was from ESPN, they posted like notable national televised games. And the first one they posted, like in their little slide uh, show, was Lamella versus Lonzo. And it's kind of funny because at this point in their careers, like neither player is anywhere close to the best player on their own team. And so it's kind of funny that they're like the the matchup to watch is Lonzo versus LaMelo team's fourth best player versus other team's sixth best player. <laughs> yeah. I when people love like starting that. too. Yeah. And I don't even know if LaMelo, this Lonzo, if Lonzo, will Lonzo even be starting? That's another good point. <laughs> that, that, that might even be a bigger question. <laughs> God, now, and now that Holiday's out of there, if Lonzo doesn't start, he might need to get a new job. So, <laughs> well, I think he'll start actually. With Holiday out, I think is Zion, Ingram, yeah. Lonzo, 
maybe probably a JJ. Him and Bledsoe, Bledsoe. as a backcourt is disgusting in spacing, though. Lonzo and be, Bledsoe. Lonzo and Bledsoe. I mean, you'd be clamping people up on defense, but that would be horrific. They'd be. Jim would sound like a gun range <laughs> whenever they start to shoot. <laughs> yeah, Alonso got up to 37% as a three-point shooter last year. I don't know if people still trust it, though. I think that's part of the reason the percentage was good, because yeah. people were like, it's whatever, it's Lonzo. Yeah, well, yeah, we can, we can leave him open. Exactly. <laughs> we can leave him open. He'll still only be average. But yeah, either way, there's a ch- it's just funny. It's been played up, and it, there's a chance that uh, neither of the Ball Brothers are actually starting in the game. Um, But, you know stories and they're the ball brothers like they have like Lamelo has five times as many instagram followers as the hornets do so he's he's the draw not the hornets we've qu- quoted his instagram followers twice in this podcast by the way it's a big deal. <laughs> i've heard stories big deal. Very about significant. like yeah hornets trading for lonzo and then getting <laughs> yes. the third third brother just the brother Jello, yeah uh, a ball family reunion in in Charlotte. Please don't. Please let's not let's not do that. But apparently, no. Lavar said that Lonzo is going to sign here, and then all three of his brothers, all three of his sons, are going to take the Hornets to the championship. Which I mean, I'm fine with that last part, but I don't yes, know if that if first part is going to actually happen. I take it all back. Yeah, we got to sign uh, the uh, other two Antetokounmpo brothers and just lure <laughs> the, lure every NBA's brother into Charlotte. That would be kind of funny. It's like, you know what's really good for team chemistry is if instead of having 15 players, you just have five sets of brothers. It'd be perfect. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the last thing we'll talk about the schedule, and it's the, the last part of it I thought was kind of funny. Between January 27th and February 20th, so almost a month, the Hornets play two road games, 12 home games. That that should be nice. That's a good chance to get a lot of wins too. The schedule's not exactly easy, but when you're playing twelve home games in a row, almost in a row, I think you can win a lot of those just from being fresh and being in a routine and stuff like that. You know, what does a home game mean in twenty twenty one? Obviously, you get your own locker room. You feel more comfortable because it's your area. But as much as there are crowds in Charlotte, the crowd's not going to be there. There's not going to be people cheering for you in the same way. That's another thing I guess we glossed over is that for the time being, for yeah. the near future, there will be no fans in the, in the Spectrum Center. Yeah, and they said they're trying to find ways to get fans in, but it's, I mean, it's nothing immediate. Uh, but to answer your question, yeah, it's just what you said. I think it's a bigger deal than other sports just because of how constant it is um have to land in a new city and get to your hotel room at like two in the morning and then go play a basketball game the next day um is a big deal and that's i think that is just as a big a part of the home court advantage in basketball as the actual crowd itself um and so being able to sleep yeah being able to sleep in your own bed not having to be on planes every night uh being in your own practice facility own locker room own house all that stuff i think is a big deal uh especially when i said like i said it's that extended of a stretch where you have one game in miami and then you're back for almost two weeks and you have one game in memphis which is right there and then you're back again for another week and a half like that's that's a long time to be chilling at home but that stretch is followed up by six straight games against the jazz suns warriors kings blazers and timberwolves on the road so Enjoy the homestand while it lasts, because you're heading out west to end up to end the first half of this. So it's 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 uh and that's kind of how the schedule is as a whole. Is it just seems to like wildly ebb and flow between like home games and road games and easy teams and hard teams. It's just it's gonna be interesting to say the least. Yeah, fourteen out of the last fifteen games are against Western Conference yes. teams. The only one that's <laughs> not is a home game against the Bulls on February seventeenth. Yeah, and then yeah. yeah, before they go on that road trip, they play Denver and Golden State at home. So yeah. they uh, that and like February is just a brutal month, and just the, <laughs> the whole way through. Yeah, the fourteen out of fifteen games against Western Conference teams is very odd because most of like half of them are at home, so it's not like it's a travel thing, unless just like the entire Western Conference is doing like a whole tour of the United States uh, through that stretch. I haven't looked at everybody's schedule yet. But yeah, that's interesting. I don't know if it's a strategy from Adam Silver to maybe it's there's a, a 
uh, like target tracing where they're trying to figure out make sure that you know if you if you're going to the if, if you're going to charlotte like these are the western conference teams are doing it all at once kind of thing mm-hmm. i don't yeah. know maybe there's some kind of strategy in that i'm sure there is to where like if a player tests positive there is a limited like there isn't a big stretch where like you can connect every team to it through like three degrees of separation type of thing right like, ideally for most as much as possible obviously everybody has to play everybody so it you, it's you can't do it completely but to the extent that it's possible make it to where like if a hornets and warriors game if player test positive after like the hornets and warriors like the teams that are previously like near as back on their schedule are similar so you don't have to go off in two completely different directions with the contact tracing um we're gonna take a break real quick and then we're gonna talk about how many games from this part of the schedule we think all the just wild guesses so come back after the break welcome back to the high podcast i'm jonathan still joined by zach and chase so we talked about news and transactions and some stuff like that so now we have a schedule it's time to talk about real basketball and how many basketball, of, basketball and how many of these games uh, we think the Hornets will win and relative to their peers and their competition. So we don't have the whole schedule yet and we're not going to go game by game, obviously. But Zach, you want to talk about uh, like our top eight projections in the East, right? Yeah, I wanted to talk about the playoffs. Obviously, yeah. we made a big free agency move, the biggest um, in free agency. Lamelo Ball is on this team. We're hyped for the for the <laughs> 2021 Charlotte Hornets. However, you know, you start looking down this top eight. Uh, there was a question in in Mitch Kupchak's press conference when the reporters asked, "Hey, are you excited that they might stretch the playoffs to nine and ten? Um, and Mitch well, gives his usual like, 10, yeah. yeah, Mitch gives his usual like, well, you know. Uh, uh, six in one, half a dozen in the other kind of answer. <laughs> um, but the fact that the reporter was thinking that way makes me believe he, that that reporter doesn't have faith that the Hornets can compete <laughs> on the higher level of the playoffs. So I wanted to know what you guys thought. Who's your top eight right now coming into the season? Uh, let's see. Well, Chase, you want to go first? Yeah, I, 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 wrote, I wrote them all down real quick before. So oh, I can nice. rattle them off uh, one through. I guess I, I did 10 because the playoff yeah. thing but i had you, you milwaukee, just read the first eight didn't you okay milwaukee <laughs> miami boston brooklyn philly toronto indiana washington's eight and then i think charlotte will probably be nine or ten perhaps and then with charlotte i think atlanta. they'll make the playoffs but not be in the top eight i would say was atlanta the other team in that top ten yeah 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 i um i could see all that wait did you have a side did you have orlando in there no, I I think for one, uh, their team has like only been making the playoffs because the rest of the East sucks, and I also <laughs> yes. think that they could trade Aaron Gordon or Vucevic this year. Yeah, and Jonathan Isaac isn't going to be playing, so that's another loss for them. Is he after the year again, or for just a significant part of? The I would Im- I would imagine so. I mean, he, he tore. I think he tore his ACL. Oh, that's right. It is in the bubble. Yeah, If they bring him back, that would be uh, in a contract year, especially that would be kind of short-sighted yeah i I've, i he barely plays he's barely played the last couple of years so i forgot that his most recent injury was in the bubble i forgot that he played um i would think it'd be heat because the heat were so good in the playoffs but they're pretty just they were just kind of like okay in the regular season and i don't know what's like a more accurate representation of their actual ability over the course of a 72 game season so milwaukee boston I didn't write these down. Uh, Toronto, my uh, Milwaukee, Boston, Miami, Toronto, Brooklyn, Philadelphia, Indiana, and then Charlotte there. Charlotte, Washington, Atlanta. I think Charlotte make it short. Eight. Yeah, and, and my list is basically similar. I have some questions about the Wizards. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what makes them better, but I don't know what a Wall Beal team would have looked like in 2021. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I, 
my question for you guys is if we're still there, if we're in the eighth, ninth, tenth spot with the LaMelo drafting, with the Gordon Hayward signing, like what did we do then if we're right in the <laughs> same spot that we were last year? Um, what I mean, do you do you have an answer for that? Like, like we we are super stoked about the decisions that the Horn has made in the offseason. However, if we believe the end result is going to be exactly the same as the year before, <laughs> what did we actually do besides spend a bunch of money? Well, Mitch Kupchak likes to, or James Borrego likes to say that we finished ninth in the East, which is technically correct. But we were tenth in the East before the bubble, and then the Wizards lost. I think all but one of they their lost, games. They the lost bubble. every game in the bubble, and that's the only reason they ended up yeah. happening. The Hornets or dropping <laughs> yeah. behind. So, <laughs> yeah, so the we were behind the Wizards before the bubble, and the Wizards went in there and made a mockery of the bubble. Let us some we leapfrog them without playing a game, but we also kind of overshot the team's ability, like their point differential and stuff like that, with a bunch of close wins. So. You, like the team, and I've said this a bunch, the team could have gotten a lot better this offseason and still won, had the same win percentage just by luck and regression to the mean on with uh, close games and stuff like that. Um, the other thing is the Hayward signing was like, we've talked about this before, it was kind of like a next year move a year in advance just because of the his availability and stuff like that. And it's just kind of a stepping stone because I expect the team to be even better in 2021-22. So if they end up, I mean, if they're even in the playoffs, even if it is like the ninth or tenth spot, they're trying to play in. Like that's exciting, at least, and I'm fine with that. Sure, being in the playoffs will be exciting. It'll yeah, be a whole lot easier this year. Yeah, and then I think there's no idea. No, I was going. You know, coming back from an Achilles tear is tough, even though it has been like a year and a half for KD. Kyrie Irving, I don't know what Kyrie Irving is going to do to that team because I don't. The last time. Well, the last time we saw him with a a team that was supposed to be built like this Brooklyn Nets team is they had horrible chemistry issues and terrible. Uh, they did not play well together and they under badly underachieved. And I don't know how much that's Kyrie Irving's fault and the other guy's fault, but we saw Kyrie leave and Kimba come in and everything seemed to kind of blossom. So again, that might be unfair to attribute that to Kyrie, but it as a as an outsider looking in, it's something to be wary of. And then. I don't know what to think of like the the Pacers or the Raptors because they just seem to kind of be fine no matter what's going on. And the Pacers have a new coach, so we don't really know what they're going to look like. The biggest so, thing with Kyrie going to Brooklyn is that there's a joke to be made about Flatbush and Flat Earth, and there's a pun <laughs> to be made there, and I haven't figured it out yet, but I will. And you know it's a tough one if you haven't figured it out yet because you yeah, are normally on the ball with that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but – what I was getting at with all that stuff was like the, there is a, a an opening for the Hornets to climb up out of that play in section of the playoffs, like to get to six, like the sixth seed or so. It would be expectations uh, from that the ex outside, but I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility for them to pass like the, the Nets or the Pacers or the the, the the Raptors, depending on how things shake out. Because the Raptors did lose Ibaka and Gasol and didn't really replace them with anybody. So they're kind of they're losing their championship team like piece by piece, off season after off season. So it's it, I don't know. It's it's hard to predict. The East is actually kind of good this year. I think other the East than is really good. The East is this, weird. Yeah. <laughs> other than you have like the the Knicks, Pistons, and Cavs will all be bad, and then the Magic will be the quintessential Steve Clifford team that will win like whatever the 72 game equivalent of 36 games is. And, uh, then like that are playoff contenders, not championship contenders, but you know, can make the playoffs and be competitive and Celtics and heat. Yeah. So there's a way you can see the free agent moves as much ado about nothing that mm -hmm. like, Hey, you're in the same spot that you were last year, but there's yeah. a, Another narrative that you could spin, which is in a season where we don't know when games are going to be played, we don't know what players are going to be played in those games, that you set yourself up for success. That if there is an opportunity to get in that sixth, fifth, fourth spot, um, because you know uh, Kyrie has COVID or 
um, the the three <laughs> Pacers starters can't play or something like that, that you have the weapons available to get in that playoff hunt. And just give me some Hornets playoff basketball, you know? I think the playoff <laughs> for sure, yeah, benefits them a lot too because I think they would beat the Hawks or Wizards in like just a one-game matchup because they – probably have the best defense out of both of the like the hawks and wizards probably might might have the worst two defenses other than minnesota and the entire nba so it's in just a one game i think the hornets have like a really good shot to actually if even if they if they aren't eight like they could definitely still be the eighth seed just playing like one game series against those or two games or whatever they are yeah like if they finish 10 and then they could beat washington and beat atlanta to get up to that eight spot theoretically or whatever on with covid just because a team however good a team looks on paper doesn't necessarily reflect how good they're going to be as if you know like you said if the paper three players test like three starters test positive and they're symptomatic they could be out for three four weeks because it's like right. 10 days from the end of symptoms where players are eligible to return um so players can miss huge chunks of the season and with how compacted the schedule is like you know if the Bucks lose Giannis to COVID for three weeks, like that's a huge hit to their hit on their win loss uh, record. Yeah. yeah, and and the Hornets obviously are susceptible to that too. But I doubt every like you know every team's gonna be hit differently. And if there is a strength to this Hornets team, is they do seem pretty deep. Um, like I don't know where Jalen McDaniel's is gonna get minutes. I don't know where the Martin twins are gonna get minutes. And they proved at the end of last year that them getting significant minutes off the bench was good enough to beat really good teams like the Heat and the Rockets. So, uh, the Hornets are positioned well, I think, to handle this whole weird season. And I do think there's you something to be said. Go ahead. Kim, yeah, go ahead. No, and what were you gonna say? No, it was a it was a non sequitur. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Uh, you're fine. Go no, you're good. No, my that was the end of my thought was just also even on paper, if this team doesn't seem to have the star power that other teams are competing with, I. And I don't know, I don't follow other teams as closely as I follow the Hornets, obviously, but there seems to be so much unity from the front office to the coaching staff to the players in the message they put out to the media and how cohesive the whole group seems to be. And I do think that's worth a few wins uh, that I don't know if people from the outside uh, know, uh, know about or account for when they make their projections. For sure. And not, and they mesh as a team, as a front... There, there's like a, a unifying... Um, way that they play, which is great. Mm-hmm. Even if we might not have the star power, it's great to watch a team like that. Um, I think other people have commented on that. Why I was interrupting <laughs> you because I want while we were talking about the the COVID thing, I wanted to say this is kind of not a Hornets thing, but Carl C- Anthony Towns lost seven members of his family. Oh yeah, I uh, know that's awful. Died from COVID. My heart goes out to him. Is all I wanted to say. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah. You follow NBA players sometimes with stats and um, how they play on the thing, but these are real people living real lives. And yeah, yeah. If he, if he doesn't want to play this year, then please don't let us go out. No person should say anything about it. <laughs> All right, that's our show, guys. Um, no, and, um, <laughs> no, no. And, and one of those, yeah, he lost seven family members, including his mother. Yeah, that's awful. Um, yeah, big like thoughts out to him because that's. That's that's yeah. really tough. Um, pivoting. The people that say he's a fan don't even believe it's real. But whatever, pivoting, <laughs> pivoting, pivoting. Anyway, pivoting. <laughs> um, we uh, so it's hard to do because the seventy-two game schedule. Like, I'm sure you guys the same way. I'm so programmed into eighty-two game seasons. Like, I if you give me like a win total like a win number, I'll like immediately know the loss number to equal 82 game schedule. And now that we have 72 games, I don't know any of it. And it's just like completely foreign guess to me. Like if like the over under for the Hornets was what, 24 and a half. Yeah, I think so. And my first reaction was, is that good or bad? I need to look up <laughs> uh, how many losses <laughs> yeah. that like, what is that win percentage? Um, it's not good. Uh, as a matter of fact, <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> Um, a 24, it's what 24 and a half and a 72 game set schedule is the same as 28 in a 82 game schedule, which is 28, what, 56 or 54. So that's not good. And it's also about where the Hornets finished last year. Uh, are all, and 
Chase, did you pull that up? Uh, yeah, I think so. You message it, so I'm assuming. Yeah. So I'm citing you with this. Uh, is that after the Gordon Hayward signing or before? That was that was after. I saw that it was a tweet like probably two days ago. Okay, so the Hornets had 24 and a half. I think they were like the fourth or fifth worst odds. I that, think that's kind of surprising. Yeah, it is surprising because they got substantially better from a team that was the eighth worst team last year. But yeah, I yeah, I pulled up. So, uh, go ahead, Zach. While I look at this, well, I, I, yeah, I don't know a lot about uh, betting the margins of teams, like teams that are very good or teams that are very bad. What the bookies are trying to do is get you to bet on it, not really predict how many wins you're going to have. So mm-hmm. 24 and a half is, is what they're trying to encourage people to bet on that one way or the other. Um, so it might not be a full prediction of what they think is going to happen, but the yeah. most the number of people most likely bet on is all I was going to say. Kind of like also, we talked about. <laughs> well, we talked about this, uh, what you were talking about earlier or we talked about earlier with how the perception of the Hornets is everything they do is bad. Um, I think people outside of that don't pay as much attention will like smash that under, even though like the bulls that what I'm looking at has the Hornets at 28, 25 and a half, which it's, you know, it's different depending on the location. I think each sports book does a different one. Yeah. Yeah. And that's four games behind the bulls, four games behind the wizards and seven games behind the magic. And all of those seem like wild underestimates. And all of this could age very poorly, and I'm fully aware of that. But going into the season, I do not think the Magic are seven games better than the Hornets, and I do not think the Hawks are 11 games better than the Hornets. Because the Hornets were better than the Hawks last year, and the Hawks added Danilo Gallinari. Like, oh, oh no. And Bogdan Bogdanovich. Uh, I don't think either of those are better than Gordon Hayward getting added to the Hornets, who were better than the Hawks. So... And then the the magic, I don't know. I think the magic will just be bad because they have to play more good teams. Yeah, and the the uh, the over is plus one twenty. So what you said about people betting the under so far is is seems to be pretty true. <laughs> Being like, oh, they're not going to win that much because they're the the bad team that never. Yeah. Won. Yeah, but that's I it's, don't know. It's I, it is it's a seems like a wild underestimate to me as well, but. I'm really looking forward to listening to this in three months and being like, wow, that guy, Chase, what an idiot. Remember we said the Hornets were going to win way more than 25 games and they went 19 and 50. Oh, don't, don't say that. Don't, we have to watch every game. I'll yeah, I don't, I don't, look, I don't know if this is going to be a world beater team, but I, I have to believe they can get above 25 wins. Um, you're yeah. in, you're right, Jonathan, even in a shortened season, I really don't know in my head. I don't feel that 25 win like I would at an 82, but I gotta believe this team can win more than 25 games because we believe this team is going to be in the playoffs. Yeah. So it's 20, yeah, it's like a 28 win season basically, uh, by 82 game standards. Um, I don't think that's like, that's, that's, I don't know. So I think as a, as a podcast, we're smashing the over on that, right? Oh, for sure. Um, well, we are a Hornet podcast, so <laughs> well, no. Well, last year, last year, I hit. I would have guessed the under. I I had the under on the Hornets last year, and I was wrong. Right. So I did um, too. I think when I saw that last year, I was like, oh, yeah, I thought the Hornets were going to be awful last year, and they ended up being yeah. regular bad. Um, but like I was saying, like here are the couple things that are stand out to me. Uh, the Hornets on this one I'm looking at are twenty five point five. The Pistons are 23.5. The New York Knicks and the Cavaliers are 22.5. Uh, the Hornets are closer to above them, which is the Bulls. That's insane that they only have two wins on the Pistons. The Pistons are so blatantly trying to be horrible. And the Hornets yeah. just got LaMelo Ball and Gordon Hayward. Why? Like, And they were I, better than the Pistons last year exactly, by a substantial like, amount. Right. So it's just like, I don't know where... Like what? And maybe they're just giving the Hornets like no wins to compensate for giving another team like a lot, I guess. Yeah. But I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't know how that would work. I, if I, if sports betting was legal in Maine, I would be putting my, a lot of money on that Hornets <laughs> over right now. I'm looking at that's, it's the only Western Conference team that's better than is the uh, Thunder. And I can totally see the Hornets being better than the, the Timberwolves, Spurs, and Kings, which we talked about the Kings earlier. Not good. Um, 
the Kings have been doing the Knicks thing this offseason of just signing a bunch of random players to like one year contracts because yeah. Um, and you saw that work for the Knicks last year in terms of their wins and losses. Uh, and then yeah, like I'm sure Giannis like, really has Sacramento in in mind. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Northern California is like basically Greece. Um. The Bulls are twenty nine and a half, and the Wizards twenty nine and a half. Magic thirty two and a half. Hawks thirty six and a half. I really think the Hornets belong in that like Hawks Magic tier in like the low thirties. Yeah, it's yes, so bad that we're scraping to get into the Hawks Magic tier. You know, it's not well, exactly the Hawks. I think because I don't know if it's because of Trey Young or what, but they're getting hyped up, and that that might be the team you were just talking about, Chase, like who got a lot of wins so that they had to even it out. Um, the Hawks finished what? The Hawks were twenty and forty-seven last year. They had the third worst record in the league, and in this projection, they're projected to finish eighth in the East. Added People Okongwu love draft. three pointers. I think they that's added There's a, a. I know. Well, Trey. I mean, Trey Young is a star. Like he's very good. He's also like the worst, like the worst defender in the, the NBA. worst defending player in the NBA. Yeah. Yep. Um. So they had a what? No, they added a Okoro. No, Okongwu. They had a Kongwu. Yeah. Uh, Bogdanovich and Gallinari. Right. That's it. Am I missing any other big acquisition? Because I feel like that's not enough to justify how high up they've jumped. I think Rondo and Chris Dunn, but like oh, I think yeah. Rondo is going to be a prime. You know what? What contender is going to pluck the, this player away from a fringe playoff team? Yeah, at the, at the deadline, like I, I see no purpose for Rondo to be on that team. Chris Dunn, yeah. I think, is is decent, but I mean, again, like if you're being like, "Oh, we got Chris Dunn," <laughs> like no, no offense to Chris Dunn, but like that's probably not like yeah. a selling point for your offseason. <laughs> yeah, I don't. So I think that's the team that's getting and John too much love. Collins. Yeah, John Collins is another year to evolve as a basketball player who I really liked. Um. And people also, love a uh, horrible defender, though. Dion. Yeah. What'd you say? You cut out. Say that one more time. Oh no, I'm just. Uh, I agreed with you that Deion, DeAndre Hunter is also a horrible defender. Oh, John um, Collins is a horrible. People defender. love Cam Reddish, even though he's yeah. not shown. He's a potential oh, guy. Right. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's <laughs> right. We're good. We'll get back on track here. Uh, yeah. Did you I watch like- Cam Reddish? Do you guys know anything about Cam Reddish? Is he, I like him. Did he didn't he underperform in college? But he was oh. supposed to be a underperforming is putting it very nicely. Yeah, yeah, that would be <laughs> a nice way to put it. Honestly, he was supposed to be like he was compared to like Brandon Ingram coming out of a uh, high school. People oh. thought he was going to be like some electrifying like three point scorer, like three or three level scorer. I mean, but yeah, the offense hasn't quite quite caught up to him yet. <laughs> he, he is he's a really good defender, which I think people look over because of how like dreadful he was at the beginning of last year, but he got a lot better. The yeah, other he was thing supposed is to be this didn't go ahead. Well I just to Reddish, he was supposed to be this like Penny Hardaway type of like big playmaker that could knock down threes and stuff. And then he went to Duke and shot less than forty percent on twos and shot thirty six percent from the field and was just kind of bad. And now he's just like, oh actually he's just a good defender. That's what we totally what we were going for with that. What is it with Duke with some players just get overshadowed in their program? I don't know. He drafted was a five-star recruit when they went to Duke and then did nothing. Um, yeah, but they, was like, I was going to say the, about the Atlanta the Hawks, they also are that they also have it was two years ago when they got him, but he didn't play last year, so it's kind of like adding another yeah. person to free agency. I'm I'm curious to see how that goes because I don't know if like I don't know I don't know if they they drafted Okongwu who's just basically better Clint Capella and I don't know I mean obviously that won't might not happen right out of the gate but uh, I'm interested to see how they do that because Capella and Okongwu imply that they want to play Collins at the four and I don't know if that's a good idea. No, it, yeah, it's it's probably <laughs> not. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll we'll see how that goes. I so that's yeah to answer the overall question I think from this whole half of the show over 20, have 25 wins and somewhere in that bottom half of the playoff standing. So like six to 10 uh, for the Hornets is probably is where we all want or expect them to be. Is that fair? Yeah. If Indiana blows it up, I could see them getting six, if not Mm. eight to 10. 
Yeah. Zach? Agreed. 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 Yeah, that's what I think it is too. Um somewhere in that yeah, like I think it's gonna be somewhere in that seven to ten range is probably more likely, but they can they could sneak up to six depending on how the season goes with you know, like Zach talked about with the COVID stuff and uh the Pacers and Raptors are kinda hard to project because they don't have like star power, but they're also not bad. It's just I don't know. Um anything else we need to touch on before we head on out? Because we're gonna have games to talk about next week. Yes. Finally. <laughs> We've been waiting too long. All right, well, th- I know, especially yeah, Hornets been been nine months. Uh, thanks everybody for listening to that Thigh podcast. Uh, we will talk to you guys after the Hornets play some basketball games. See it. Peace out. See you guys.